0: A Star Wars story podcast, a podcast honoring the stories of Star Wars, the characters within them, and the people who love them. Today we will be discussing Rey, what she means to us, and what we hope to see for her character in Episode 9. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, my name is Delaney, I'm joined by your other host, Brooklyn.
1: Hi!
0: Um, and yeah, we're here to talk about Rey, exclusively. Um, Ray. This, yes, our main girl, Rey. Um, and, uh, Brooklyn, initial thoughts on Rey before we really get into it?
1: Initial thoughts on Rey. I just, there's so much to love about this character and what she has brought to the sequel trilogy and what she has brought to Star Wars as a whole. And I think that her potential, like, it's honestly only going to grow over time. And I think that as 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 much as we are in awe of her right now i think that like if we when we look back in 5 years and 10 years like we will like realize we're not even appreciating enough the gift that she is
0: oh yeah no a- absolutely um and before we really get into it i just want to mention and we're going to be um quote tweeting this on our podcast account um but christy who is at writer chick 3 did an amazing thread on ray so if you haven't already had the pleasure of reading that then we're gonna be um tweeting that on our podcast account so go check us out there at um at asws underscore podcast um follow us if you don't already and please go read that thread because it's amazing um
1: And and we'll be talking about it too here so yeah
0: yeah um do you want to? Do you want to just cover the thread while we're already talking about it?
1: Yeah, let's let's go let's go on that. Um, so, first of all, Christy does amazing threads. She's just great. Yes. Um, and she did one on right. This was last year uh, in November, but she just sometimes you know with. You know the internet can be the internet, and like Ray's not just getting not her due; like she gets a very undeserved hate, and so you know, just going through just like here are the reasons why Ray is such an amazing character, um, and just to like highlight it, you know she, the first the first tweet includes compassionate and kind. Ray's hungry when we meet her, scavenging for quarter portions of food. But after rescuing BB-8 from Tito, she feels compassion for him and can't even bring herself to sell the droid, even for a bonanza of portions. And I love that Christy brought this up because my—that is like one of the moments that like really sticks with me when I think about Ray is her turning down that pile of food, especially as you learn more about her, like backstory and history and kind of, like, the books and, like, other, like, outside readings that you can do on her character. And she, re- like, Ray really has trained herself to be, like, completely, like, self-reliant. She... Knows that, like, the only person who's ever gonna get her anything is herself, and she can't rely on anyone to help her. That's just how, like, the way that it is for her on Jakku, that's just the way, you know, she's had to, like, learn to survive. But through all of that, she has not, like that has not dimmed her ability for compassion in the slightest. Like she helps BB-8 and when he needs help and she, you know, she kind of gets roped into Finn's thing very quickly, but you know, she's there and she's ready. She is just so compassionate and is ready to, she's ready to serve other people. No, fully knowing and expecting not to get anything back from them. And especially like not any kind of thanks. Like she's not, like doing things for any kind of reward she is being compassionate and being kind towards others just because that is what she wants to do and then that is what is in her heart despite all of the like awful things that she has had to go through
0: yeah yeah it's it's really um like I would say like character dra- character trait driven the thread, um, so it like really focuses on certain character traits of Ray and then kind of unpacks those. Um, so yeah, if you haven't read it, please go give it a read. Um, it's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. And- so
1: so we'll go through just the character traits that Chris yeah the outline. We won't read all of them, but the, or the whole uh, thread because that. That's on you guys to go read it because it's yeah. really amazing. But just the character traits that she brings out is, again, compassionate and kind, fiercely protective, confident, defiant, courageous, heroic, and helpful. And it just – Ray is all of that and so much more. And it's she, – she's just such a beautiful character.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um Yeah, like Brooklyn had mentioned – there is a lot of context to her backstory um, in a lot of the books. And one that um, Brooklyn had mentioned to me that I had not read prior to her mentioning it was one of the, I'm assuming it was The Road to Seven, or it came out prior to The Force Awakens, or maybe after, I honestly don't know. But um, it was around the-
1: the publishing
0: date. Yeah, I'm like I honestly don't know, but I'm assuming it was Road Two. But again, don't quote me on that.
1: It was published in December 2015, so like right as it was coming out. Basically. Okay,
0: yeah. So, so um, the book is called Before the Awakening, and it has three chapters, each one focusing on a single character. So you have Finn, Poe, and Ray. Um, and obviously, we're focusing exclusively on Ray. Um, so, um, Brooklyn, do you want to give just a little overview of the story and then we'll really like start to unpack it?
1: Yeah. So, um, so all three of these stories Mm -hmm. basically bring you up, um, right to the moment that, um, Force Awakens starts, So both like Finn, Poe, and Ray, all of their stories kind of get them to get them to where we see them in the movie, and so and and all three of them cover different lengths of time, Mm -hmm. but they end up in the same place. And so Ray Ray's story takes place, I believe, over about it's like almost a year. It's like it's definitely over multiple months. Um, and so it it kind of frames what her day-to-day life was on Jakku, and what it was like for her being a scavenger, and like, it starts out just, like, just how, like, day-to-day she was living, and how, like, it, it, or very early in the chapter, it describes how she, like, runs out of, like, runs out of water very easily, and she runs out of, like, food portions very easily. She has, like, a very, very small, like, emergency supply, so... It's a begin so there's a there's a storm that comes through that is that lasts it's like a desert storm that lasts for I think at least a full day if not longer and so we see her like running very quickly through those rations and you just see how like destitute she was and why she had to scavenge so aggressively and we also mm-hmm. see her um... During that time waiting for the um waiting for the storm to pass we see that she has on her um walker that she has kind of made her home she ha- there is a flight simulator that she has made from salvaged computer parts to be able to learn how to fly all of these different uh, ships and so she has all of this experience to be able to pilot ships mm. and um, what when the storm unco- the storm passes and it uncovers a ship that um, no it was almost basically in working condition. And so she was able to fix it up and she, basically got herself like 90% of the way there. And then the last 10% were kind of these like really rare things that she didn't know how she was going to be able to afford to either buy or keep. And then these two other scavengers who were like a team found her. Um, I'm trying to remember what their names were, but they basically figured out that she had been hoarding supplies and was fixing something up. And they like proposed a team up and were like, Hey, let's, We can if we all fix this ship up together. We can we can um we can like split the profits of it. And Ray is very reluctant at first to like trust anybody, but she eventually does. She becomes partners with them, and she she does learn to trust them. And like she would get up very early, like would do like these crazy hours to make sure that they were never going to steal the ship, and at in, at multiple points the the pair bring up to her like this has this ship has like it can go to hyper i almost said warp capability <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the wrong thing um this ship can go to hyperspace like we could just fly it out of here ourselves like we don't have to sell it to Unkar for portions we can just leave and ray basically shoot like it's written basically from Ray's perspective and you see that the thought doesn't even cross her mind she finds a basically working spaceship and the thought I could just leave this all behind does not even occur to her despite all of the hardship that she goes through and like you see how like awful her day to day life is and escape is still not something on her brain and they finally fix it all up and like Ray gets to fly it around at night when other people can't see. And they're able to, like, she gets to have real piloting experience, not just on her flight simulator. And, like, they're all going. And she leaves the pair. They finally fix it all up. She leaves the pair on the ship while she goes to negotiate with Anghar Platt to say, you know, we're all going to split these rations evenly. We're all going to, like we're going to be rich we're going to be able to like survive and like thrive for so long on the portion that this like fully functioning ship is going to going to take am going to give us and she walks off of the ship and walks over to Uncarpla, and as she does so the pair take the ship and they leave Jakku, and they leave without Ray and <sighs> It's that's about where I started crying. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's so two things really stuck out to me from this story. Um, one, and you we see it obviously a lot in The Force Awakens, but this story really highlights her deeply rooted issues with like trust and abandonment, and the fact that she has to basically rely on herself for everything, and she can't afford the luxury to accept help from anyone because she has been burned, and this story is evidence of that. And um, to me, that's so sad, just so sad, that she really feels truly alone. Um, And the second thing that really stood out is that she could have left. She could have gone with them and she could have left, but because she is waiting for her parents or family that will never come, Um, she was just content with selling it and getting portions and water in return and
1: And stay longer
0: yeah and the fact that she could have left but she said that that you know there's there's no way it's not a possibility for me it just really shows like her mentality at that time and i think seeing like obviously we see that really heavily in the force awakens too but i think seeing Mm -hmm. that in this situation too where she's in very rough conditions. And one of the, one of the things that really struck me, I think you, yeah, you mentioned it, but when she was like barely surviving off of the rations and I think, and it made me like, it was hard for me to read because it was hard for me to like put myself in that frame of mind. But her, like the fact that when she, if she like got up, she like had a headache and she was dizzy because she was malnourished because she physically did not have the food and the water that she needed. Yeah,
1: it had to go out and scavenge and like like, to get more food. And like even standing up was giving her headaches.
0: Yeah. And to read that honestly made me like a little uncomfortable in the way that like I can't imagine that. And Mm -hmm. I that like really like I don't know reading that really puts because you see obviously you see you know her life and her conditions in the force wagons but reading that really puts you like in the frame of mind that you I feel like you need to fully understand her character um coming into that movie um but yeah that for me was really poignant and like a really pivotal part of the story but yeah the fact that obviously she was just perfectly fine with having a bunch of portions in water and and continuing her daily life scavenging um was really 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 sad to read because obviously we know now that she's waiting for no one um and it makes everything all the more sad to know that she's what she's doing is essentially kind of for nothing um in a way um i mean it not not that her being on jakku is for nothing because obviously she's in the right place at the right time and she joins the story but like it's just really sad to know that all of her hope is kind of misplaced in a way, and yeah, yeah it's it's a, it's a really sad story, but I do think it really sets up us to really, really understand her character going into The Force Awakens, um, because obviously we see what we see on the screen, but there's so much, you know, happening, obviously, that that we can gain from the, the novelizations and from, like, the books prior to the movie. Um, but yeah, that, if you haven't read it, I mean, we pretty... We, Brooklyn did a really good job at summarizing it. So I guess you don't have to read it, but I recommend that you do sure. if you really, if you have, if you are attached to Ray or Finn or Poe, because there's stories about all of them.
1: Uh, I, uh, we're focusing on Ray for this, but like I cried in both, I cried in all three of these stories. And it really does truly inform their character so much yes so no we're not focusing on them but like go read just like even for the other two stories that we didn't cover today
0: i completely agree yeah they're really 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 good and honestly i'm like kicking myself at the fact that i had not read them up until this week but here i am I'm, i've read it now so i guess it's all that matters um but we get that story and then it pretty much like directly segues, or not directly, but we segue pretty seamlessly into the storyline of The Force Awakens and her role in that movie. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot to unpack um, in that movie because it's obviously our first introduction to Rey. But um, I want to ask Brooklyn, what really stands out for you as far as Rey specifically in The Force Awakens?
1: Specifically in The Force Awakens, I think the th- the three mm. the three movies that or not three movies the three moments that um stand out to me the most for Rey in Force Awakens is Rey not selling BB eight yes seeing like all the things that she's wanted and like having that connection and that compassion and just you know it I I, mm. I don't know how canon it is but I think that at least in my brain like there was probably a little bit of the force being like you should probably you know stick around with this you know little droid dude he probably should help you but just being able to have that like awareness and that humanity to not to sacrifice like base her goals for another for another I mean I guess maybe it's not a being but yeah, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Someone else, yeah. Um, the second is Rey's face when she turns the corner, and Finn and Han and Chewie are there to rescue her. Like, if I think about it too much, I start, I cry because just her, like, like uh, we said before, was just Ray as as we see through the force awakens her mentality of compassion and kindness comes from a place where she absolutely does not expect that in return yeah. and she does not want like it, Maybe not doesn't want, because I think we all want that in return, but she is just so genuinely surprised that they came back for her. And like, you can tell in the, like, when she is, like, taken by Kylo Ren, when she is, you know, trying to escape on her own, it is, she is fully back in scavenger mode, and she's like, okay, I. Like, I know the workings of ships. I know how to get, I know how to stay hidden. I know how to get out of here. And it is like she's on her own and she's going to get herself out on her own because that is like her version of survival mode. And to turn that corner and see Finn and Han and Chewie there and just this connection and just the fact that like anyone, like, that's the first time anyone has ever come back for Rey. And just her face when that happens, like, it is... I I feel like it is, it is a very quick moment. But it is so, like, there is just such sentiment there and it is just so filled with heart, which a lot, so much of that is, you know, due in very, very large part to Daisy Ridley and John Boyega's performance. And just, oh, it's so good. Yeah. And I, think, I think my third one would be just... In the fight with Kylo Ren, when that lightsaber starts moving in the snow and it turns, and it's Ray who gets oh. the lightsaber, and I think that because I, I, I one of my one of my best friends just recently watched. Um, she hasn't really watched. She like watched I think Phantom Medicine Attack of the Clones a while ago when she was like younger. Hasn't really watched Star Wars, and she started. I, like, showed her The Force Awakens and recently showed her The Last Jedi. We're, like, making our way through. And even without, like, I feel like at this point, if you haven't watched the Star Wars movie, there's still, like, lore that you know. Like, you know who yes. Luke, Luke Skywalker is. You know who Josh Vader is. And so, you know, through the movie, she's like, wait, where's Luke? You know, like, what's happening? Where's where's Luke? And when that lightsaber started to move, you know, she's like, oh, is it Luke? Which I feel like a, that was a mm-hmm. lot of people's reaction. Like, it wasn't necessarily, like, narratively make sense. But, it, like, we see a lightsaber start to move in the snow. You think of Empire Strikes Back. You yes. think of, you know. And we haven't... We've seen Ray use the force, but not like that up to this point in the movie. And I think that for so many of us, it was like, oh, this is Luke coming back. And I think it's just so like poetic that that moment like as a fan who watched the original trilogy you think like oh like oh is this luke is this where like the original trilogy comes back and when it pans to ray like not only is it like kylo so surprised that it didn't go to him it went to her but i think it is so, like it is so symbolic of like no this isn't luke's story this is ray's story this is like ray's moment of power and when she can, like, when she fully takes the helm of who she's going to be and to be able to, like, go on with that battle with that legacy saber and it just, oh, it's just so good.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely love all of the, all of the scenes that we get that show us her force sensitivity and force ability and. Um, I love the scene that we get in Maz's castle. um, Mm -hmm. And I also love, yeah, her calling the lightsaber to her. I love the scene of her, um, you know, using her force ability to get the stormtrooper to release her um, and give her the gun, (laughs) Um, give her the blaster. Um, And I, yeah, I just, I love that we slowly, you know, we're discovering it as she's discovering it pretty much, because she obviously, you know, this is a very, for. I mean, like, she thought, you know, Luke Skywalker was just a myth, and that obviously, like, Jedi, it's a myth, it's not real, and so obviously, you know, she's not really looking for that in herself, and slowly over the course of the movie, she's discovering, you know, I, oh, I have these I have the sensitivity. Oh, why is this happening? What's, what's going on? And you really see her like frightened when she's on Taco Donna. Like she's very scared because she doesn't, she's so, you know, new to all of it. I mean, I think that she's, you know, she always, she says it in the last Jedi, like something's always been there inside of me and now it's like finally awake. And so I think she's maybe known, maybe not consciously, maybe subconsciously, but I like that we get to discover it kind of as she's discovering it in the force awakens. I think that's a really cool um, narrative choice in the movie. Yeah.
1: Um, also, I love how with her, her vision in in force awakens. And when she's like having that monologue about like reaching out into the force in the last Jedi, that this is partly a, you know, a narrative choice and a, you know a filmmaking choice, especially as you know filmmaking has progressed, but through Ray, we have gotten to experience the force in a much more visual way than we ever have before. Yes and I think that is just something that is so like so connected to Ray is how how visual and like physical she is with the force.
0: Yeah, I, I've loved seeing her personal Force journey, um, because I feel like it is very unique, you know, varying being to being, person to person. Um, and I've just really enjoyed seeing her really come into her own. I mean, we really see that. We start to see it in The Force Awakens, obviously, we really start to see it in The Last Jedi, and I'm very excited to see what we'll get in Nine. But I really like i like the groundwork that they've laid for this character i really like because it's it's obviously you really you really feel and see the progression of this character over the course of the movies and the books and everything we've gotten and it doesn't feel rushed it doesn't feel forced it feels completely natural um and i i just love watching i just love watching her forced journey um but I also two I have two other things that really stuck out to me in the um in The Force Awakens, and one of them coming from both the movie and the Novelization. Um, the first one being that, and we kind of touched on this, but the fact that her her perception of reality and of the world is really limited to all that she knows, which is Jakku, which is crazy. But there is A really interesting um, passage in the Force Awakens novelization, which is on page 34, if you'd like to go and read this for yourself, but I'm going to read it out loud. And it says, there was that occasional mention in the market of a, a rising new power in the galaxy, an organization that called itself the First Order, determined, relentless. Nobody seemed to know much else about it. Not something to worry about here, she knew. Whatever it was, whatever it represented, it wouldn't come to this backward, out-of-the-way world. Nobody came to Jakku. She was alone. Um, Which, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, it's just so, I mean, like, you see so many instances of her being isolated and feeling isolated, whether it be, you know, having to scavenge for her food and her water or, you know, what have you, but the fact that she's like, oh, this isn't a threat for us because we are so isolated and I'm so isolated that it's not something that I have to worry about or think about. And I, I don't know, I think that's so important. I, and obviously, I mean, obviously it's important enough for me <laughs> me to literally quote it and mention it, but I think it's important because she says, and the last bits that say nobody came to Jakku, she was alone. Like, I just think that's extremely relevant, um, to her story and to understanding her as character, just because she, that isolation is so deeply rooted in her, um, extremely so, and it's been reinforced over years and years, um, which is so unfortunate, but that brings me to my second really important concept, um, from TFA, and that leads me into her relationship, um, I would almost call it, I mean, like, I don't know if I'd say father, daughter, but like mentor, me- very mentor, um, relationship with Han Solo that she develops in The Force Awakens. And you can see that she just wants to have, she's just so grateful to have someone in her life that, you know, is that like wizened older person with experience and really connects with her. Um, Especially, like, with piloting and um, with the with the ability to, like, fix a ship or um, bypass, is it bypass the compressor? Um, yeah. Yeah, so I I just really like seeing that. I mean, I know that obviously we all know that it comes to a pretty sad end um, for Han, but... I think that that is like the first instance we really see, as well as with her and Finn, that she really does, she really does want to have relationships and she does want to have family and friends, but she's still so hesitant to really fully commit to that. And I want to mention that, that part when, you know, Han offers her the job and she's like, I would love to, but I have to get back to Jakku as soon as I can, because I've already been gone for too long. And he's like, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying. Like, I'm literally offering you a job to come with me and like basically explore the galaxy. And she's like, no, my family is gonna be coming anytime now. I know it. I have to go home. And so even though she's gotten a taste of what it's like to have other people in her life, real people in her life who care about her, she's still so focused on the past and that and her like blood family that she is kind of really putting a wall between her and these other people who aren't technically family but they could be Mm -hmm. um and that to me is like really I don't know it's just it's so it's really sad but I think it's it really it's very important to her character I mean you really see it like it's something that you know obviously I mean she gets she's really independent and that's that you know it's great but it can also be to a fault and i think that's something that obviously it's not easy for her to learn how to let go of um but i
1: think that i've always like wondered so much because so so much of the discourse around ray during you know once the Force Awakens came out was oh, no, you're about to
0: do it you're about to do who, it. <laughs> who
1: are who, who are her parents yeah and we see in that in her Force vision we see a, a younger baby Ray being you know given to plot and like watching that spaceship go away and so I I have just always wondered how much plot played a role in her creation of that narrative of my parents are coming back.
0: Ooh, yeah. Because,
1: well, I don't, I mean, they might address that in, you know, something that I haven't read yet. And if they have, please tell me. Um, <laughs> but I just, I wonder, like, it just to me seems very like on par with people who who experience childhood trauma Is creating a narrative that changes what happens. Yeah. You know, changes the reality of it and she does become, and part of it is because she has, she is in such isolation that, you know, her her main, her company almost at any point in time is herself. And part of that is her creation of this narrative that like my family is coming back for me Mm -hmm. and for her that that narrative is a big part of why she was able to survive as well as she did on Jakku because that was was keeping her going she had to be she had to be alive for them she had to be like here for them she had to be ready and willing and like waiting for them to return and it you know, if you think about it, you know, logically as someone who isn't experiencing what Ray is experiencing, you can say to yourself, okay, you're, you know, you have been, you know, you haven't seen your, you watched your parents fly away when you were, you know, she looks like three or four when she was given up. And, you know, she's, I I think she's like around 19 or 20 when we get to Force Awakens. And like if you think about it logically, like they're not coming back and you know it, you know, like there's at this point, like the, the, why, why would they even have any reason to think she was still there? Mm-hmm. You know, I a reasonable pe- person would have left, but it really is not about reason. It's about this narrative that she has so deeply attached herself to, mm-hmm. which I think that a big part of her growth in force awakens is being able to, let go of that narrative not so much let go of the question of like who and where are my parents but being able to accept the reality that they aren't coming back to jakku and that you know she can move on from them yeah able to do that through the support that she has and finds in finn and in han and in, you know, in Leia and in the Rebellion or in the Resistance. And so that is a huge part of her growth is being able to let go. Oh, hi. Koda.
0: Um, excuse Koda. Please. Ex- oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Koda, please stop. <laughs> um, I, I apologize for my very vocal dog. It's Koda. His name is Koda. Okay. Okay. We're done yeah. now. We're done now. <laughs> okay. We're anyway. done. Um, Hopefully, I'm sure he heard something and I'm sure it's warranted, but now is not the time to do that. Uh, <laughs> please continue what you were saying.
1: No. So it's, um, I just, it, that is such a huge part of her. And that's something I've just always wondered is how much of the narrative is Of her own creation out of, you know, that child's brain that is trying to process the trauma that's happening to her. And how much of it is, you know, lies or facts or whatever Ankar Platt was telling her. Which I don't know how much of that we have, like, confirmed.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that is, yeah, absolutely a huge part. Because at the time when she was essentially abandoned or what have you. She was at a really formative age. She was, I mean, she was young, but she was young enough to kind of understand what was going on or old enough. I mean, to understand what was happening. And, but also at the same time, yeah. I mean, obviously she's being, she's searching for answers at that age. And when you're a kid and you're essentially abandoned and you're told that your parents are going to come home, you're going to cling to that because what else can you do? So yeah, I'd be really interested to know, yeah, what, you know, what all she was actually told and what she knew, um, and what like really formed that narrative that we get that she recites, you know, back to BB-8, like, oh, I'm waiting for my parents, you know? So yeah, that, that's actually a really good point to bring up, um. I'd also be, yeah, if you if you know about this, if this has been published in anything like a comic or something, please let us know, because that would be <laughs> really informative for us. Um, do you have any last thoughts on The Force Awakens, Brooklyn?
1: Um, do you want to discuss her parentage when we get to Last Jedi, or kind of in the in-between of The Force Awakens?
0: I feel like that's, pr- I feel like we can definitely tie that into The Last Jedi because that's really addressed in that movie. Yeah. Because, okay, I, I mean, we, 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 like, we talk about it, or it's mentioned, obviously, in The Force Awakens, but it's, like, really, really addressed in The Last Jedi. Yeah,
1: okay, let's, let's, let's go to The Last Jedi.
0: <laughs> okay, let's, yes. <laughs> um. So, highlights and key things that stand out to you regarding Rey in The Last Jedi.
1: Rey in The Last Jedi Oh
0: I I too am speechless when I think about Rey.
1: <laughs> she's just oh, she's just so so she's so great. Um I I think that I mean the moment that sticks out for me in The Last Jedi it, it, every time i think about it is just the throne room scene in general just everything about it but especially Rey's ray's journey to to there it was one it's one of those things where you know going into the force awakens if you had told me that you know kylo ren and ray were going to fight together, like, back-to-back, to back, like, fighting with, like, not against each other, but with each other in this movie, I would have left. And I think that, you know, Ryan Johnson does such a beautiful job of getting you narratively to that place within, within The Last Jedi. And... I mean the visuals of that scene alone are just absolutely breathtaking just like the the red and the you know the the clashing of the like the lightsabers with the guards and it's just it really is just so 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 like beautiful both narratively and visually um I think that another moment that stands out to me is 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 when Rey is first experience like fully experiencing the Force, not in a moment of like crisis, which is when she, which is how she experiences the Force in the For- in the Force Awakens is every time it's her, you know, like when you know when Finn rescues her, he's like, "How did you get out?" And she doesn't even have the words to be like, "Oh, well, I just used the Force." She was just like, "I I don't know, I couldn't tell you, you wouldn't believe me, I don't know what happened." <laughs> you know she uses the force you know it's not until kylo tells her like you're strong in the force and i can teach you in the middle of their battle that she's like oh that that's what I, that's that's what i've been doing oh okay cool 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 and then goes from there yeah i think that that moment where she finally convinces you know luke to teach her and she reaches out through the force and a like I said before, we get to see the force in such a visual way, and Ryan Johnson just did such a beautiful job of framing that you know visual visualization of that. But something that I think stands out to me is, and I've I've talked about this not on the podcast but just in other places before, um, of when Ray you know Ray sees that darkness in the force, and. Do- she does go go towards it and is you know not 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 even necessarily tempted by i i mean i guess tempted is the right word but she is intrigued by it and she goes after it and luke immediately writes her off because of that and i feel that in many places at least in the jedi that order that we have seen as a whole in the prequels and in the original trilogy is that any acceptance of, of darkness inside of you to the Jedi seems like a fault. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, which we have seen basically that all of the Jedi that we have seen in the movies are like in, a, they're imperfect people, but the order itself is quite imperfect by the time we get to it, and even in prequels. And so, I think that Rey is a good example of, except because Rey has darkness, and she has a power, and she she like there she has extreme trauma in her in her past, and I think that you know we see we i mean we see in the original trilogy Luke being tempted to go to the dark side and Luke's upbringing is pretty uneventful until he leaves Tatooine and he is still tempted and we have a you know a girl who grew up under such traumatic circumstances of course you know she she's going to be tempted by that by the dark side of the force, there is a power and a stability to it that I think that Ray craves. And I think that her, um, I just, I love that moment because I think it really encapsulates how Ray can, is a good example of what, you know, the, the Jedi want to be. And I think who the Jedi will be able to become and her just her acceptance of both you know the darkness and the pain as well as the light and i think that she uses that darkness to inform her light yeah and i th- i just think that's just something that has always stood out to me about ray is that i feel like out of any of almost any of the jedi we have seen on screen Ray stands out to me as one who has been able to achieve the best balance between saying, like, I am a Jedi and I use, you know, the light side of the Force and I use the Force for good and I can see and accept and validate, you know, that there is pain and there is, you know, there is that darkness and it doesn't, mean that you're a terrible person and it doesn't mean that you're irredeemable which is the whole reason why she's able to see what she sees in Ben Solo and that why she feels compelled and um, you know validated in her reasoning to go and to meet him on the death on no it's not the Death Star just on his ship (laughs) I mean
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. No. I completely agree, and I. I think that it's really neat to see a character dealing with balancing those in the way that she's trying to, um, and uh, you know, not not embracing the dark, like you know, letting that inform her decisions, but also not completely shutting it out, which is what you know, Jedi are taught to do um to completely ignore anything that is basically coming from that side of the force um and yeah I think it's really interesting to see her journey with just exploring because you see I mean in The Last Jedi when you know looks like he went straight to the dark but it's I think really for her it comes more of a curiosity of like she's really she's really learning this all for the first time and I don't really think it comes from her nature of oh like but what if I you know, went to the dark side, it's more of like, I just want to see everything that's out there. I just want to see what this is about. And, um, I mean, I commend her curiosity. I really do because I think that, you know, once she sees everything that she can see, it really allows her to make more informative decisions regarding, you know, what path she wants to take, knowing that she's exposed herself to a bunch of different things, especially, you know, maybe maybe darker things just the fact that she saw that and the fact that she you know went I mean Luke says you went straight to the dark I mean I think there might have been a little bit of hesitation but she it's curiosity at, at its core mm-hmm. so and I mean can you blame her like she's really she's very much so a newbie in this world still um so I don't know I really think that that's really interesting to see that you know she's just like I'm just I just I was curious about it and I I went for it and I really really like that. Um I noted that and I met, I touched on this a little bit when we were talking about The Force Awakens but I feel like this movie really really hammers home the importance of found family and how she has really found that within the Resistance. And the scene that I really think of, and the reason I tie this for me personally more to The Last Jedi rather than The Force Awakens, is I think of that last scene at the end of the movie where there are very few members of the Resistance they are all aboard the ship. It's her and Leia. And Leia's like, we have everything we need. And to me, I don't, you know, I think you really see you really see Ray starting to understand these people are really here for me, thick and thin. Like they're really, you know, they're here for me, I'm here for them. It's a bond, we trust each other. And like we mentioned, she's had negative experiences in trusting people and being burned and kind of closing herself off from those relationships. And I think it's really, really important that they build this part of her narrative of the found family um, because that's so relevant and so important to so many people who really rely on quote unquote found family um, and, you know, friends and mentors and what have you that have become so close that are considered family. And I, I just love that that's part of the progression of her narrative because it starts out really bleak in The Force Awakens. It really does. And now, you know, in The Last Jedi, we see her as a more highly skilled Force user. We see her, you know, really, really trusting these connections that she's made um, and really leaning on them in a way that she hadn't really let herself before. And to me, that really warms my heart because I just really, I just want her to thrive and prosper. And I feel like having people in her corner is a part of that because, you know, I mean, I know that she's independent I know that that can be a strength, but there's people who are on her side who are willing to fight alongside her. And, you know, the fact that she's starting to recognize that, I think that that's just going to, that's just going to help her grow as a person, as who she is already. Um, and I'm so happy that we've gotten that part of her story. Um, and the other thing that really, I mean, clearly this sticks out to me and this sticks out to everyone who watched The Last Jedi, but a huge part of her narrative in the movie is the force bond between her and Kylo Ren. And, Mm -hmm. and I... I I remember watching the movie for the first time and just being very fascinated by the nature of what was happening. I don't think I really understood like when that first scene was happening, I it took me a second to really kind of fully grasp cuz it's some it's unlike anything that's really been seen and I was not confused but just a little, you know, it was it was like stunning quite literally
1: (laughs) unexpected to say the least
0: yeah absolutely yeah no i definitely like i mean you can speculate all you want but i don't i don't know if i would have ever ever speculated that that was going to happen um because you know we know that they're intrinsically linked as the two halves of a whole and you know the two main parts of this story of this sequel trilogy, but I don't know if I ever would have guessed that they would have been that intrinsically linked to the point that they would have been bonded through the force and would have been able to communicate through the force, which is pretty insane. Um, in a really cool way, in a really cool way. Like it's wild to me. Um, still, I mean, that movie has been out for forever and it's like, I still think about that and I'm just in awe of it, honestly um thank you ryan johnson for giving us that because it's really cool um but i think i mean brooklyn do you have any thoughts about that as it relates to her character because i mean i can just like yeah. talk about it but i want to pass it off to you because <laughs> i spent a lot of time talking about found family
1: <laughs> yeah no the force bond i think is so i mean it. it is a key part of the entire narrative of you know, The Last Jedi, but it is a huge part as well of both Kylo and Rey's character and how they both develop. And I think that, you know, we've talked about how Rey, you know, while she has this immense capacity for compassion towards others, she, for most of her life saw that as like a service she was doing to another person, and that it in no way expected it to be reciprocated. And so we see her learning to open up more with with Finn and with Han in The Force Awakens, but in The Last Jedi we see both Rey and Kylo exposed in a way that they to a level neither of them ever have before and so this I think that the force bond just puts her in a you know state of vulnerability in terms of like being connected in the force like that especially with such strong force users that they're able to, you know, see, see what the other wants. They're able to see and like be there for each other in a way that, you know, is new, not only to Star Wars, but to the two of them. And I think when when you watch Ray learn to be, learn to open up to Kylo and learn to, you know, hear his part of the story and hear his, um, hear his perspective on things, and, you know, she extends that compassion that we saw her extend in The Force Awakens to Kylo, and, you know, it's not a question of, deserve it's not a question of you know is he is he worth the compassion is it you know because Ray doesn't just let him like she brings up Han she brings up um all of these you know things that she you know she's legitimately calling him out on and I think that she's able, she's, she uses that, you know, innate compassion that she has. And that is how she's able to bring herself, you know, to, to go to him and to be able, she, for she through the force, she creates a bond with Kylo that, you know, is on an, on a level that is just, you know, she has not seen before, and so I think that the force bond is really important to Ray opening up and to Ray. I think I think that we will see in um we will see in episode nine the. Repercussion. The, I think the positive repercussions of her having the force bond with Kylo will be her ability to have deeper connections with everyone in the Resistance, especially with the with the time jump. Yeah, and I think we will be able to see how deep. Because I think that if you, you know, if you had. You know, been able to ask Ray at the beginning of Force Awakens, like, do you think that um, you would be able to have deep connections with people, have, like, this entire found family? And I don't think that she would have said yes.
0: Oh, absolutely, I, yeah.
1: I think that when we get to episode nine, we will get to see her have these deep connections. And I think that is in large part due to the force bond that she had with Kylo.
0: Yes, I completely agree. Um, do you have any other things you want to mention regarding, Oh, do you want to, did you want to talk about her parentage? Did you already took talk, talk over her
1: parentage? We've not talked about her parentage. Okay. So Let's... I just want to know before the last Jedi were you attached to a certain Ray parentage theory? well, going into that,
0: I was, and i and the reason and I, and I have it wasn't informed. it wasn't just like a oh, this would be amazing, like fan wise like I was like, oh, like I have a reason and i i <laughs> it feels so weird to talk about it now, you know, because it's like so like not relevant anymore but um I was a Ray Kenobi person um okay. and the reason being was because in that vision that she has at Maz Kanata's castle you hear and it's confirmed but you hear a very faint Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan Kenobi say "Ray, these are your first steps and and you hear Yoda too, but obviously like I'm not like, oh, she's Yoda's child. Um, but you hear, you hear Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I'm like, okay, I don't know like time-wise how this would work, but I, I'm I was like clinging to it. Cause I'm like, I'm, like logisti- logistically speaking, I don't I didn't I did not think about that. I was just like, oh, there's like a direct tie, like a direct, direct tie. To because she wasn't having like a vision, she wasn't having visions about Luke, you know what I mean? So I was like, okay, like we have like a direct tie to a Jedi that we already are very familiar with, and I was, you know, I was pretty attached to that. I mean, it wasn't something where I was like, if this doesn't happen, I'm going to be like ruined, or you know, like it wasn't, it was nothing like that. I mean, it was just like, oh, this would be cool, and because of the force vision or whatever, like maybe, um, and then. I'm sure that you know the other half of this equation is Ray Skywalker um as the other popular opinion um but or I guess maybe also Ray I mean if you maybe Ray Solo um but uh, yeah I was definitely I mean I didn't I didn't think about timeline I was just like this would like be cool it. Yeah I was like this would be cool maybe it doesn't work like logistically speaking but this would be cool and Yeah, I was, I was like, it was kind of like a pipe dream type thing. I just kind of like vaguely entertained it for a while. Um, What, which, which side were you on?
1: (laughs) So, so I think that, and I'll talk about this a little bit later as well, but I, Ray was a character that I didn't immediately connect with. And that I did. I didn't immediately. I never didn't like her. I was never one of those like, "Who eh, is boring?" Like I always liked her, but I was. I was never like. It took me a while to get to the point where I was like, "Oh, I love you." Like I would. I would die for you. I love you so much. And I think part of that was I really didn't have a a theory that I loved about Rey's parentage. And I felt like if you, especially like in the space between Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, that was all of the discourse about Rey was, you know, who who do you think your parents are? Like, well, who do you think, you know, what's your theory on who Rey's parents were? And I didn't really have one. And so I think I it like kind of alienated me I guess from Ray and being able to be like I cuz I felt like I did because I didn't have one I was like I guess I don't really like her character that much which wasn't true I really I really did it was just so for me having Ray be Ray nobody I I liked because You know, I like the idea that, you know, you can come from anywhere. And like, while there is something to be said for, you know, blood heritage, there's also something to be said for, you know, the people who are just out there and who are, you know, these, you know, there are a lot of people who are very force sensitive, who are very strong, who don't have the last name Skywalker. And so... I love the implications of Ray nobody. Um, I hate that anyone is like, we're going to retcon this in episode nine, which is just absolutely dumb. But <laughs> I think that that, like that not having a concrete where I was going to do or how I felt about Ray's parentage, I think alienated me from realizing how much I loved her for a while. <laughs>
0: Yeah. No, I, I, I get that, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I just, you know, I think a lot of people, and not to say, I mean, I think a lot of people, and I don't, I mean, obviously I was one of them because I was like, oh, she must come from this lineage. But I think a lot of people were like, well, she's, you know, she has this amazing force sensitivity and force capability, so she obviously must come from a family that, you know, is known for that, or must come from some bloodline that has some connection to that. And honestly, now that I think about it, I feel like that kind of discredits her story a little bit, because it's like she doesn't necessarily have to come from, you know, a family to be Force sensitive. She doesn't have to be, you know. I mean, it's it's unlike other things we've seen, but it is possible. And now that I'm thinking about it, it just makes her character so much more powerful to know that no, that she's she's done this on her own. Like she doesn't she doesn't have to attribute this to her parents or her family. You know, she has accomplished this on her own, which is really really cool. And I mean. Not to say that other stories that aren't like that aren't as impactful, but I think that's really, really neat and really unique for her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I think that it's, even though that we've gotten answers from The Last Jedi, I still think it's going to be something that people are going to be talking about for a really long time because oh, I yeah. know that people are still talking about it and obviously we're <laughs> still talking about it. So yep. even though we've gotten answers, you know, it's still going to be something that is going to be discussed for a really long time, just because it is really interesting. Um, But if that is the last thing that you have to say about The Last Jedi, then would you like to transition into our second part of the episode? Yes. Okay. So we are going to be talking about what... Ray means to us and by us it's the listeners responses that we asked for on our Twitter account and then each of us individually so we're gonna cover the responses that we got from our listeners first and I'm gonna pass it over to Brooklyn because she got quite a few responses to her tweet I believe
1: yeah so I had um I had tweeted out I had quote quote tweeted our tweet that I that we put out asking about Ray and I just asked my own followers and just said, you know, who, what does Ray mean to you? Like what, what do you love about Ray? Um, and then we have, um, our, uh, our friend Emma who is at emphasis nest at Emphis underscore nest under, um, on Twitter And she said her ability to rise to any challenge that's presented to her. She has no doubt. She just does what's needed because that's how she grew up. And um, in response to that, um, Greg, who's a friend of the pod, who is also has his own story um, in our, uh, that we'll talk about later in a second, but he just seconded that and said that she doesn't stop. Um, We also have, um I'm so sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. But I think it's uh Jacelyn Bolin, um, also lesbian Jedi on um Twitter that just she just sent a gift or a picture that just said lesbian. And her she said her strength comes from loving and respecting women which I love. I love when people headcanon. Um I love when you know, I I don't love that we have to headcanon our queer representation into Star Wars, but I do love when people bring their own headcannons to to the to the story, and then yes. we also have um, X Wings in History responded saying, despite being raised as a slave by a literal trash monster, she has been universally universally con- kind and never sought to take out her feelings on an innocent galaxy. Which I love. You know, we've talked about how you know her capacity for compassion in um, in the in Force Awakens. And, um, and we've been able to, you know, see that there and yeah, it was just, it's super awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. And we got a few DMs, um, on our podcast account. One of them is from Greg at Creature124, who, we, who we have mentioned on this podcast previously. Um, but he had a pretty, a pretty interesting story, and I'm just going to read it verbatim as he mentioned it or as he was typing it to me. Um, and this happened at Celebration um, in Chicago a few weeks ago, just to just to set the scene. So Greg says, to set the scene, my friend Kelly and I are sitting at a bar in a pizza joint after one of the days of Celebration chatting General Star Wars. I eventually say that Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie and the guy sitting next to us interjects, interjects and asks me why. Evidently, he found that opinion very controversial. It quickly becomes clear that he is an anti-sequel trilogy type, and we ended up having a tough but good-faith discussion of the various things on which we didn't agree. Eventually, the conversation turns to Ray, and he opens up with the statement that Ray has never failed, and oh boy, do I have some feelings about that. I won't try and quote from the conversation. My memory isn't that good, but I'll paraphrase out his challenges and our responses. Ray has never failed. Cue serious puzzled looks from us. The entire arc of Ray and Kylo are attempting to turn each other in TLJ results in her failing pretty decisively. She believed she could turn him to the light, and she believed it so strongly that she abandoned her training with Luke to pursue that goal, and she did not succeed. Ray has never lost a fight. She even beat Kylo Ren, an experienced lightsab- lightsaber fighter on Starkiller Base. Ray and just to just to clarify, the Ray has never failed and then what I just read, those are quotes from the person who is having this conversation with Greg. So Ray has never failed, Ray has never lost a fight. Greg goes on to say, Ray has yet to be in a situation where her winning wasn't feasible. On Star Killer Base, Kylo was badly wounded, literally pounding on his wound to stoke his pain and stay conscious. Even if you do that, even if you do think that Kylo was a good duelist, I sure don't. He was in far from top shape there. Another quote, which is still, she should have lost a fight by now to which Greg responds. Ray should not have to need to lose a hand to avoid being called a Mary Sue. Ray's losses so far have been emotional, only it's true, but that is just as important and impactful. He disagreed here and we wrote it off as a fundamental difference of opinion and moved on. We also talked at length on how it is great that Ray came from nowhere and nothing about how it keeps the fantasy of Star Wars alive for new fans and opens the door for so many new stories He grumbled a little bit about preferring an explanation, but did acknowledge that it is better overall for Star Wars if force force sensitivity isn't strictly hereditary. Overall, it was really refreshing to talk to someone with such a different view of Star Wars offline. It took a lot of de-escalation to keep the guy from ranting, and it's basically impossible to stop people from getting wound up when all you have to text. He said, and, and and this I do quote, I really wish we had recorded this just so that I can prove that this is possible to talk about this stuff. At the end of the day, nobody changed anyone else's mind about it all, but he definitely walked away understanding that our opinions aren't non- are not not are nonsense. They just come from a very different interpretation of Star Wars and a different set of values from his own. And I think that's really interesting because, I mean, for me personally, a lot of people that, you know, I, I obviously, with social media, you can really curate your experience. So mm-hmm. for me... You know, I interact with a lot of people who have very similar opinions and thoughts on Star Wars that I do. Um, But obviously you do occasionally interact with people online who do not share your same opinions. But I don't really, I can't really remember the last time that I interacted with someone in real life that I did not agree with. Because even, you know, even my friends from home and my family, we all pretty much share the same general opinions about Star Wars. So I think it was really interesting to hear that you know a real a real conversation with someone and the fact that it you know was civil and it didn't have to be crazy um, and it didn't have to get heated um, because yeah. at the end of the, at the end of the day it's fake and it's in space just to remind you um, but it just in case you forgot <laughs> um, but and then we also got another, Another DM which I didn't see originally. I think Brooklyn was the one who was originally responding to it. Yeah. Um, but Brooklyn, if you do you have that pulled up or um,
1: yeah, let me let me pull it up really quick.
0: Okay. Cause we got we got three really great questions from Alice is always in Wonderland at S Leia all day. Um and I think we could just, yeah, take a moment to just discuss those three questions. Um on the podcast. Cause I do, th- I mean, they're really, they're, I think they're really relevant and poignant, um, especially to this discussion, which is tailored to this character. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So the three, the three <coughs> questions that Alice brought up um, were, one, based on what we've seen of Rey's abilities and quickness to learn so far, how do you think things might have been different or progressed in the original trilogy had she been in Luke's place instead, or even with him as his Padawan learner? Do all the family connections and themes of the original trilogy just totally cancel out that idea? Uh, the second one was, it really it just really bugs me still that Ankar Plot was hanging Hanging out watching the ship fly away from the flashback of when she was a little girl. Why do you think he'd keep that from her? Do you think she's ever asked? And then the third question was, uh, in episode six, we saw the Emperor say that Luke's faith in his friends was his weakness. What do you think Rey's would be at this point in the saga? Um. So, number one, looking at, you know, Ray's abilities in how they relate to you know if she had been luke if um if she had been his been his padawan and you know does the does the question of family connections and themes cancel that out um just cancel out in the original trilogy with ray not being connected to anybody or being related to anybody by blood um I think that asking if she'd been in Luke's place is a really interesting question. Just because it I think that we don't know enough about the force to know you know, it it's kind of a question of like nature versus nurture. And yeah. how much of the force is innately in you and how much is you know what but you know both Luke and Rey were not raised in the Jedi Order they were both they both had incredible power being you know raised outside of a force like sensitive arena um and I think I don't know I think that it would have been really something that I haven't talked about with Ray that I really love about her is her anger that she has and that she uses that anger. Cause I think that, you know, that's something that we talk about with Anakin a lot is, you know, he was so angry because of the trauma of his past and, in combination with the teachings of the Jedi, like, because it was so discouraged that it was a huge factor in him, you know, turning to the dark side. But we see this, you know, and it goes beyond passion. It's really this, you know, we see her when she fights, when she fights with Ky- when she fights with Kylo and when she fights against Kylo. Both times there are moments where she, you know, fully, you know, yells and str- screams and is she's a very physical fighter and a very you know she's very she can get angry which mm-hmm. i love that like a we should allow our female characters to be angry and to have these valid emotions and i think again going back to like ray really can be the example of what the jedi can and could be and that she she uses her anger in both of those times to inform her fighting and to inform her you know battle decisions in a way that is positive and both times she's fighting for the light and for the good and i think yeah. that, you know connecting it back to luke i think that a lot of that anger comes from where she was I'm comes from her upbringing and coming comes from you know the traumatic experiences that she would have had. And I don't, I think that her temperament is very tuned to the story that she is in. Yeah. And you know, that aspect of found family and you know, her temperament is what allows her to have that compassion for kylo and while i we do make a lot of comparisons between ray and luke and how their stories are very similar and how you know just being the main character of both of those you know these trilogies as this pillar of the light side of the force Mm -hmm. i think that we you know are apt to make those connections but i don't know how well their stories would work switched
0: yeah, I I still really think that like every Force user's journey with the Force is very unique and very personalized um, because obviously they're learn you're learning you know at at a speed of you know you're learning at your own experience and at the speed of which information and experience is coming to you and that's really subjective. I don't really think that it's you know like puzzle pieces where you can just you know, put a person's, put a different person in another person's place and see how it would play out because I think there's too many factors involved. Um, but I mean, I think it's really interesting to think about. I just don't, I think it's easier said than done yeah. regarding like answering that question because I really do think that forced journeys are really, really personal and really subjective um, and look different person to person. Um, And we get to the second question which i we kind of already covered that a little bit um yeah is,
1: the you know the uncar plot you know what role does he have in that scene and yeah i don't i like we like we said we don't know how much like canon has given us in terms of like what did he actually say what does he actually know um kind of thing but Yeah, I think that is definitely an interesting, you know, how much did he contribute to the narrative of her parents, not just her parents leaving, but that her parents could come back.
0: Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, And since we already covered that one, I'm going to go to three, which, and this I really like, um, which is in episode six. We saw the Emperor say that Luke's faith in his friends was his weakness. What do you think that Rey's would be at this point in the saga? And personally, personally, because when we look at this specifically, this specific example, it's Luke's faith in his friends was his weakness. I would turn it on its head and say that Rey's weakness is to further enclose, like further, you know, go into herself and continue to be reluctant to trust these people. Because when you see, when we see Luke, I mean... He does trust these people already. He's never had the issues that Rey has experienced with, you know, constantly being abandoned and constantly being betrayed and um, all these horrible things. And I would say that it's the inverse, which is Ray's ability to not so easily trust people and want yeah. to approach things by herself, which I totally understand, but it is her downfall in certain areas. Yeah. It and we
1: do is- see, like I'm interested to see how she works because I like we've you know, we've heard multiple times in you know, in the lead up to episode nine that, you know, Finn and Poe and Ray are going to be on kind of for at least a portion of the film on an adventure together and they're going to be working very closely together. And I think that it'll be interesting to see how she does that. Because, you know, when she went off to Octu to to find Luke, that was very... She was on her own, you know? A lot of her story has been on her own. And times when she has had to work with other people have been in very, like, emergent situations. Like, getting them to not... Her and Finn to not blow up the Millennium Falcon so they don't die. Like, you know? And in those situations, we see her working very... Like, she takes charge and she, you know... She knows what she's doing, and so she tells Finn what to do. And so I think that working as a team, I'm interested to see how well that goes for her and how she transitions into not being alone and not being the only person on her, you know, that there are people that can have her back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I think the word probably hopefully really going to see that in episode nine. Um, I would really love to see her growth in those areas. Um, And yeah, I think that her, you know, for her character to really grow, I really do think that, you know, we'll have to see that, you know, fully being able to trust those people in her life, Um, which, you know, obviously is easier said than done for her. Um, but I think that we are set up to do that after after the foundation that has been laid by the previous two films. Um, and I think it's important for us to each take a little moment to say what Ray means to us personally, um, because she is obviously like the protagonist of this movie. She is a pivotal character in this saga. and um, for me personally, uh, she symbolizes a lot of things the five key things that I've noted to me that she really symbolizes and that I really see um, and respond to with her character are hope persistence longing curiosity and loyalty and hope just I think obviously we can see in ever I mean she's hopeful in so many ways she's hopeful that her family's going to return to her she's Hopeful. I mean, she has to remain optimistic on Jakku because the conditions are less than stellar. Um, and I think that, you know, we see that in basically her everyday life, just her desire to kind of continue on after being left in such a kind of really sad place as a child. You know, you have to be hopeful because what else can you do? Um, persistence... With, I would say, persistence just with her daily life, persisting to learn more, persisting to survive, persisting to um, understand her forcibility, longing obviously for family, for relationships, for connection, for having a bond with other people that she has not been fortunate enough to have until now curiosity, which I mentioned, um, that she explores with, you know, her going quote to quote Luke straight to the dark. Um, and I think that that can be a benefit. I think that her curiosity is an aid, um, and loyalty and loyalty. We've started to see slowly, but you know, the people that she lets in she is fiercely loyal to. Like yeah. the people that she, the people that are fortunate enough to be let into her life, she is fiercely loyal. And I think that's so important. I love that. Um, and I I just think that's really fundamental to her character. and those are the things that I really love about Ray.
1: Yeah, I'm. I, for me, Ray. Ray really symbolizes for me balance. So much of our store of our narrative around the Force through the entire Skywalker saga has been balance. You know the pressure put on Anakin to be the chosen one, to bring balance to the force, you know? And then the question of Luke, like is Luke the chosen one? Like, is he bringing balance to the force? Like what role does he have to play in that? Um But I think to me, while she may not be fitting in a prophecy per se, I think that Rey really embodies the ideal of balance within the force and being able to say and what i i love about that is that ray is not she's not emotionless she's you know she she has very you know she's very emotive and she doesn't she's not suppressing anything but i think what ray has is good at just intrinsically is her ability to validate both the good and the bad within her and within other people and be able to say you know all of this is making up who I am and it's informing who I am and that doesn't mean every you know second of every day I am like a hundred percent neutral that's not what balance is about but I think for her having the balance in her persona of being able to say like it helps her to be more empathetic and to understand Kylo and understand Luke and understand where these people who have been thrown into her life are coming from and the Skywalker saga has been all about balance from the beginning and I think Ray doesn't have to be a Skywalker to play a key role in that and <laughs> to be a just such a such a good example of what what balance within ourselves can be and even outside of you know the force like it Ray is Ray's version of balance is something that we can take into our own lives and into you know how she acknowledges what is within her and what is in, is within others I think is just so admirable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and our final section of this, our closing chapter of this episode is what we hope to see for her character in episode 9. And for me personally, really at the core, is I really want to see her come into her own as a force user not that she hasn't already but I am assuming that this is gonna be you know her like her fi- we're gonna see the final form Ray where we're gonna see her you know we've seen the we've seen the foundation being laid evolution. yeah yeah exactly <laughs> like we're we- yeah exactly like Ray, we've seen Ray we've
1: seen a- Ray is a Pokemon she just it's the same outfit but just slightly tweaked. The more yeah, powerful she's evolving. She gets
0: yeah, she's evolving. Like she quite literally is evolving, and I'm really, I'm really curious to see her grow as a force user beyond what we've already seen. So I know that we've already seen how powerful she is, but I'm curious to see how far that goes. I'm curious to see what else we're gonna. I mean, obviously, like we're gonna see stuff that we haven't seen before, and I'm curious to see what that's gonna look like. That's really what I'm really what I'm hoping for. And I'm also, I guess, you know, in, in tandem with found family, I'm really hoping that we see, I'm really hoping that we see how powerful those bonds are. And in this last movie, in this closing chapter, um, because we've had two movies to really set, set the stage for those. And I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping that we see some growth in that area for her um because i think that's sh- that's just really what i want i just want her to thrive and to be taken care of and um and to be protected i just want her to be okay honestly and yeah that's really my my main main core hopes for her as a character as an individual character
1: yeah i think that my my biggest hopes for Ray, um, I need, I, I really, truly need her story to end happy, whatever that happiness looks like for her. Um, if you don't already know, like, you know, Delaney and I are very big Raylo shippers. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> but for me, Raylo ending up being, you know, romantically canon is not as important to me as Ray ending up happy. And I think that I just, I need her to be in a place going forward from the movie where she can be in a safe space and she can be happy and she can thrive. And I think that another thing I need for her is I need Ray to have female friendships. She has like, gotten to bond a little bit with Leia and we saw that at the end of both movies. Um, But, like, I need her to talk to Rose. I need her to, like, have a- a- other female friends because Ray has not been able to interact much with people who are not men. And yes, I would very much like to be able to see that on screen. Um... And I just, I I do, I want her to see her thrive in the Force. And just, I want to watch her just become everything that people say she can't be. And I...
0: Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Wholeheartedly.
1: Yeah. Alright, wanna... Should we close
0: us out? Yes, we should close us out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) After talking for an hour and a half. (laughs) Yeah. Are we done yet? Maybe. I promise you. (laughs) We're almost (laughs) done. So, that was our Ray episode. We could, trust us, we could have gone on for much 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 longer just delving into every single aspect of this amazing powerful character that we love so much um and we're so glad that you came on this journey with us um for our next episode um it will come out on may the 4th and which if you don't know may the 4th be with you it's like the unofficial official star wars holiday
0: yeah if you if you don't know where have you been yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so we would like to hear from you our listeners we want to know what your what your star wars story is if you have a may the 4th specific story that would be awesome Um, and we just want to hear how did you come to love Star Wars? Whether that's your first memory of someone introducing you to Star Wars, whether that is, you know, growing up with it or whatever is like your most specific memory or dear memory that you have of Star Wars and that you would like to share with us. We want to hear it and we want to tell it on this podcast and just live up to our name as a star wars story podcast and just yes (laughs) tell everyone's star wars story it is so important to know and let everyone have their own star wars journey i mean i i had someone today in in real life say to my face that i probably didn't know that much about star wars because i was a girl And, like, that is as infuriating as that was, that is part of the reason why we started this podcast was because there are people who gatekeep and who do stuff like that that try to keep, you know, new fans or female fans out of fandom because, you know, they don't fit X, Y, and Z that you think a Star Wars fan should look like. And that is just entirely untrue. And we want to be on a journey with you guys through this podcast to prove that wrong and to share everyone's Star Wars story and how everyone has their own unique journey to getting here. And what better day to celebrate that than May the 4th? Exactly and so if you do want to tell us your story um, you can reach out to us at uh, a Star astarwarsstorypodcast at gmail.com um, you can follow us and message us or just tweet at us on twitter at uh, asws underscore podcast and if you want to follow us just personally and see what we're up to in our day to day lives or tell us what your Star Wars story are directly um, you can follow me on Twitter at BrooklynBound Bound and the O's are zeros, so B R zero zero K L Y N B zero U N D.
0: And I am at Delaney Organa on Twitter and on Instagram, but I'm most active on Twitter. Um, so yeah, if you if you want to connect with us personally and see what, honestly, probably <laughs> probably. I mean, most of my tweets, I feel like, are just me like shit posting. But I mean, if you if you're here for that, then come, that's great. <laughs> yeah, if you're here for that, then great. <laughs> I feel like that's the majority of what my Twitter is at this point, <laughs> sure. which is honestly fine. But I literally think that's what I would describe it as. Um, but thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. We hope you. Respond to us, get back to us about your Star Wars story, and may the 4th, may the, oh my gosh, I almost said may the 4th be with you. Um, I guess we can do that the next time, but to actually end this episode, may the force be with you. May the
1: force be with you.